was a time where I wanted to plan and set goals and execute the goals and make sure I was doing all the things to get where I wanted to go. And now the thought that I have no idea what's in store for me is the most amazing thing ever. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Be More Well with me, Jeff St. Pierre. This is episode 14 featuring mindset expert Amanda Autry. We're going to talk about her journey from dancing on top of bars, her words, not mine, to packing up with her fiance and moving across the country to start a new chapter in life. But more about that in just a minute. Be More Well is a wellness-focused podcast where I speak with both physical and mental health professionals, athletes, coaches, musicians, trainers, and most importantly, people just like you and I. My mission here is to bring you information, knowledge, and stories from others about how they found their path to wellness so you can find your own personal journey. No two people are the same. That means no two paths to wellness are the same either. I sincerely hope that you're able to find some inspiration from the stories that you hear on Be More Well week after week. It is such a pleasure to speak with these incredible people and not only help to share their stories, but also to know that some of you are taking these nuggets of information and using them to help you on your journey. I'm still figuring out what all the metrics about this podcast mean. The host site, Captivate.fm, has done a great job getting information out there that shows me where people are listening from. What up, Finland? It also tells me how many downloads there have been. As I'm recording this episode, I saw that we are at 997 downloads. Now, that might not seem like a huge number to you, but I'm so thankful that we're just about to cross over 1,000. Anytime I do some project that relies on other people taking part in it, I get scared. I question, will anyone like it? Will anyone listen? Is it just going to be a waste of my time? Well, clearly this podcast is not a waste of time. People are tuning in and listening to these interviews. So thank you all so much for sharing in this whole project with me. As I've said before, I live in Baltimore, Maryland. If you're not from the area, I'm going to clue you in on a little inside joke that we have. We call it Smalltimore because it's a big city, but still kind of has that small town feel. To give you an example, one of the first questions you'll get from someone who's meeting you for the first time is going to be, where'd you go to high school? Everybody's got some kind of connection to each other. I'm not even from Baltimore. I've lived here now for 12 years, but I'm not originally from here. And I still find myself having some connection to so many random people out there. This week's guest is one of those people. I've been following her now on social media for about a year. I have absolutely no idea how I even came across her account. I don't know if it was suggested to me by Instagram. Uh, maybe one of our mutual friends posted something about her trip across the country. However it happened, I'm just so glad that it did. Over the last year, I've been so intrigued by the journey that Amanda Autry has been on. Her life is on a full 180 over the last five years, and it's still changing by the day. I can't wait for you to hear more about her story. And just a heads up, you may want to go ahead and get a pen and paper ready for this one. She dropped some major truth bombs during our interview that you're probably going to want to hold on to for your own well-being. I know I've set a few aside to make sure I go back and listen to again after. Before we get there, just a reminder to please rate this podcast if you like it. Ratings help the podcast powers that be know which shows they want to push out to new listeners. Also, feel free to leave a comment as well. Don't forget to connect with us and keep in touch via social media. On Instagram, we are Be More Well Podcast, and on Twitter, we're just Be More Well. Joining me today is Amanda Autry. She is a mindset expert and someone that I feel like there's a connection between us, but I've never actually met you, and I don't even know how I came across you in the first place. On social media, but it's nice to actually meet you. Absolutely. This is such a cool experience and I feel the same way, which is a really beautiful thing. 
about social media. You get a little taste of someone's personality in a way that wasn't possible 10 years ago. So awesome to see your face and hear your voice and have this actual introduction. And as if you're listening right now and you haven't figured it out already, we are doing this virtually through a Zoom call, one of the glorious inventions that we've uh, all gotten out of this pandemic, I suppose. Um, but let's take it back a little bit, or maybe uh, before we take it back, let's go ahead and start now. Amanda, what are you up to like at this current moment? What, what would you, if someone said, what do you do? How would you describe that? Wow. Um, great question. And I'm so glad that you asked me that right now because I do a lot. I am a writer, I'm a nanny, I am a life coach, I host retreats, and I've really just started to become okay with being all of those things and not cornering myself into a title or putting myself into a box. I'm kind of doing it all right now and for the first time in a really long time, that doesn't feel like a scary thing. It doesn't feel like, oh, I don't know where I'm going. It feels like, wow, I'm supposed to be doing all of this. And it's okay that I don't have a thing to call it. Yeah, I wonder where that feeling comes from, because I feel like I also um, have that sometimes where I feel like I need to know exactly what I call myself or what I'm doing. But it really is okay to have multiple, you know, pots in the fire or whatever you want to say in that. Yeah, well, the American dream was have, having a career and progressing in that career and doing really well in that career and retiring from the money that you made in that career. And that's just not reality anymore. And even more than that, our human desire to create certainty, to create predictability is a real driving force to want to be able to say, oh, okay, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly where I'm going. Um, but when you let go of that, it's pretty freeing and, and you can end up in places that you may not have expected. Uh, which I believe is probably where you're at right now, because I think if you asked yourself five, six years ago, you probably wouldn't be saying that you would have packed up the family and moved across the country and started doing all of these amazing things that you're doing now. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. And I don't know where I'm going to be 10 years from now or five years from now or a year from now. And again, that was something that used to scare me, but excites me at this point in my life. I feel like there was a time where I wanted to plan and set goals and execute the goals and make sure I was doing all the things to get where I wanted to go. And now the thought that I have no idea what's in store for me is the most amazing thing ever. I love that. I love that you have that that comfort. You're comfortable with all of these things that are going on right now. And that's not something that's easy for a lot of people. But that's one thing that you do in your career, if you will, uh, right now, is you help people get comfortable with that and show them that these things are okay and that they can push forward with their dreams that they have. Absolutely. I call myself a mindset expert because I believe that creating a life that we enjoy doesn't always come from action because I could be in the same exact position that I'm in right now with no idea where I'm going in the future or where I'll be five years from now. And that could be terrifying. So this is learned. I have taught myself to trust. I have looked back on my life and gathered evidence of all of the really cool things that happened that I couldn't have predicted. So it's not necessarily 
like an optimistic viewpoint, although that is a part of it, but I have proof. This is not something where I'm just like, well, I hope. I look back on my life and I can see evidence that everything has always worked out. Sometimes way better than I could have possibly planned for. And consciously viewing that evidence and sitting down and doing the mindset work, whether it be journaling or just being in thought, supports that and allows me to trust the process and be at this place where I can say, I don't know what's coming. And that excites me, whereas it used to be very terrifying. So now let's take a step back because now I want to know how we got to where we're at today. So uh, take us back to like, let's say 2014, because I know you had a major you know, life shift in about 2015 uh, because I did my research and looked at your bio on your website. Uh, but so 2015 seems to be the catalyst. Let's go back a little bit further than that. Who was Amanda in 2014? You know, I looked at the, the questions that you were going to ask me before you sent that or before we had this today. And <laughs> I was so nervous about this question because 2015, um, I didn't want to look back at, you know, quote unquote, old Amanda. And I've gone through a lot of work to really find appreciation for that time in my life. So I was bartending, which I want to preface before I move on, bartending in and of itself is not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. Even if you want to do it for your whole entire life, if it makes you happy, go for it. But for me, it was really conducive to a lifestyle that was not healthy for me. Um, I was binge drinking every night with my buddies because it was part of the lifestyle. It's just what you do. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And at that point in time, it was scary because I wasn't necessarily headed down a trajectory that felt like I was going to end up in a great place. I was, you know, in and out of super toxic relationships that I was an equal party in. To sum it all up, I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. I was very numb, um, very unawake. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it to my potential to what made me happy. And in this catalyst in 2015, that I'm sure we're going to talk about, <laughs> I, I started to, to feel things again. And it was very difficult for me to remember what I liked and what I enjoyed because I had spent so much time just in this, like I said, uh, numbing phase so I was I was not doing so hot in 2014. I don't want to say the phrase that I'm glad that you had the catalyst because I know it was a tragic moment for you on multiple levels and it wasn't, you know, a happy catalyst. But what happened to you in 2015, which I would love for you to talk about a little bit, uh, did end up shifting that focus in your head and did end up putting you on a path that is taking you into this good place that you're in now. So, you know, out of tragedy came this positivity, I believe, but I would like to hear more about what that moment was for you where you were like, damn, I'm not doing the right thing right now. I'm not on the right path. Yeah, of course. So in 2015, I lost my grandmother, Rose, and you may be thinking, oh, just a grandmother. Not that, you know, we love our grandparents, but she was a second mom to me. She 
was a part of my life in a way that is hard to explain. Uh, I'll just give you an example. When I was working at the bar, she would set an alarm on her phone for like three o'clock in the morning so she could call me to make sure I got home. Okay, So there was this like, it's hard to quantify the amount of love that was in that relationship. So she was diagnosed with cancer and at the time I was numbing. I was not interested in feeling the pain that went along with what she was going through. So I distanced myself a little bit. Um, I didn't go to see her as much. I spent a lot of time with my boyfriend at the time and going to parties. So I got a call from my mom one day that I needed to come to the hospital because my grandmother wasn't doing well. And I was really shocked by this because I had just been there the night before and I was getting ready to go to a party. So I was like, Hey Nan, um, we're headed out. I love you. And she said, you're leaving. And it wasn't what she said, but it was the way that she said it. And now looking back on it, I know that she knew that that would be the last time that I would get to talk to her. Mm, wow. And when, you know, the next day when I got the call and she did end up passing, when I say that my life got flipped up upside down on its head, I mean, everything changed in that sure. moment. The unthinkable happened. I, I didn't really understand mortality. People have passed away in my life before, but I felt like I physically like lost a piece of me. She was the person that I called the good, the bad, and the ugly. She was there. So when she passed away, I was like, oh, wow. Our time here is limited. She was young. She was 62 years old. Oh, wow. So was my grandfather. He was in his early 60s. So... I didn't quite realize in that moment that I was a human being until that happened and I could leave this earth one day. And in that moment, it didn't take a lot of thought. It wasn't something that I was consciously like, oh, wow, I have, maybe I should change my life. There was, there was no choice in my mind. It was, do you want to continue? I feel like I genuinely had this message come from whether you believe in the divine or source or God or the universe. Something said to me, is this the life that you want to continue living? Because if it is, you're, you're not headed down a great path. You have the opportunity right now in this moment to change everything. So I did. I left my boyfriend, which at the time felt like the only constant that I had, but I knew that I wasn't happy. I left my apartment. I moved into her house, which at the time I had no idea how I was going to maintain four bedroom house in the middle of Anne Arundel County with an acre of land. Um, it was, it was a lot, but, but I knew that that was my choice. If I wanted out, if I wanted to make a change, then I had to leave everything behind friendships, relationships, my career as in the industry, it had to go. So at that point I did it. I uprooted everything, which you'll see as we continue talking is a theme for me <laughs> and <laughs> left what wasn't making me happy anymore. 
why is it that, this is a loaded question, but why is it that it takes something like that to sort of snap us into reality? You know, like we can just be coasting through life, thinking everything is great until we get slapped in the face with something like that. Why can't we realize it on our own, like without, without that moment, you know? I think we can. And I'm not saying that it's easy or that I necessarily have the answer to that because it has taken moments like that to wake me up. But it's a matter of reflection. I feel like we wake up every day, and I'm using this as a very broad term, we, humans, and we just start going. Mm -hmm. And there's this really beautiful quote by Pema Children that I may butcher a little bit, but it's something along the lines of humans are always trying to create zones of safety. We're constantly trying to create an environment in which we can control and it's constantly falling apart for us. So we're creating these zones of safety, which might not look safe. So for example, my binge drinking and partying every night, technically, logically was not safe, but to my mind, it was. It was comfortable to me. I, I had been there before, so I knew that I could survive that. Anything outside of what I had already experienced is foreign and unknown. And to our brains, unknown equals danger. But what happens when everything gets shattered is this safety zone that you have tried, tried to create for so long gets popped. Mm. And you're like, whoa. I wasn't doing as great of a job keeping it all together as I thought I would. Now I have the opportunity and the space to recreate and redecide what my life is going to look like, what my zones of safety are going to look like from here on out. So when you started to redecide what your so-called zones of safety look like, did you immediately find the happy place, if you will, or did it take you a few trial and error sessions before you figured out what your path was going to look like? <laughs> I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I knew I had to change. I knew what I was doing wasn't working. So I kind of went a million miles in the opposite direction. I was like this inconsistent career that doesn't seem super solid to me. I'm going to become a real estate agent. That seems like adult ish. And I think that this will put me on a great path. So I, I went there, you know, like I went from wearing chaps and dancing on a bar every night to wearing pantsuits. And well, I never wear pantsuits, but you, you get the idea. <laughs> I was like, that would made me really unhappy. So let's see if this will make me kind of happy or happier. And changing our outside circumstances will make us happy for a short period of time. However, we take ourselves, our internal state with us no matter where we go. So it doesn't matter if I was dancing on a bar or at sitting at a closing table helping a family move into their dream home. If I wasn't happy inside, none of that stuff mattered. And <laughs> which led me to, at one point, selling my grandmother's home, buying this beautiful home in Hamden in Baltimore City. Again, changing, uprooting, moving. I got really good at that. And I honestly prided myself in it. That's why I started my coaching business. Because I was like, look how amazing I am at changing everything in my life. Wow, this is 
exciting. I want everyone to know how to do this. So my fiance and I at one point decided, let's let's go even bigger. We're still not totally happy yet. Let's buy an Airstream. <laughs> <laughs> let's sell all our stuff, rent out our house, buy this recreational vehicle and travel the country. That is where happiness is at. Well, <laughs> once again, we were traveling across country and a lot of people are like, wow, that's so amazing. And honestly, maybe one of the reasons you wanted to have this conversation with me today is because you're like, wow, what a cool thing. A lot of people want to do that. And I could be totally wrong, but I feel like it's something where people who follow my story are like, you did that awesome thing. And like, that's why you're happy. And that's why life is great. And if you could just teach me how to do something like that, then I could feel really good too. I am so sorry to say this, but (laughs) I promise you, if happiness is not something that is accessible to you right now, it's not in an airstream. It's not in a different state. It's, it's not traveling across the country. My experience in an Airstream was like my everyday life crammed into 200 square feet with only two coffee mugs and three dogs and a completely new experience. So needless to say, not only did I take all of my internal crap with me, but I added all of this extra responsibility of navigating life on the road. That was a journey of a lifetime where I learned something so much more valuable than I thought that I was going to learn from that experience. I do believe that's how I discovered you on social media somehow. Um, Cause I remember I started following you when you were on your journey in the Airstream. I don't know how I found you on social media or what connected my account to your account at some point, but that's how I discovered you. But it wasn't really until the book came out, which we'll talk about a little bit later where um, it's not that I wasn't interested in your story. I was, but for some reason, when the book came out, it lit a light bulb in my head where I was like, I, I want to learn more about her story because there, there is something there. Obviously, we're already learning more about it now, and there's such a, an interesting growth and process. And that's one of the big things that I'm about is finding out that moment, that moment where you decide, this is not the life I want to lead. I want to get to the next step. How do I do that? What's that transition? How do I become happy internally and outwardly as well? Because I think they're, they're, they are two different things, but they are both a big piece of the happiness puzzle. But I, I do understand that point you're saying. It's not, you, you do take yourself everywhere you go. So if you are not happy with who you are and internally, as you say, then and it doesn't matter what's going on around you, you're not going to find that happiness. Yeah. And that's a tough thing to come to terms with. Because as I said, I had gotten really, really good with changing my outside circumstances. I stuck a goal on my board and I did everything that I could to go after it. And I kept feeling really disappointed when I got there. So I was like, well, I need to go bigger. Mm. I need to get crazier if I really want to find happiness. Um, And But the good news in all of this is you don't have to – and. Well, let me back up. I don't want to say you don't have to, because I do believe to your point that there are situations that are not conducive and not in alignment with the way that we want to feel. 
So for example, I think it was necessary to leave the industry when I did. I think it was necessary to say goodbye to those friendships. It's noticing when you have a habit of consistently changing your outside circumstances in hopes to feel differently inward. And I think that both portions were equally necessary for me. I believe that I needed to change everything on the outside, whether it was completely necessary, which again, like I mentioned, leaving the industry, leaving those relationships, I believe that was necessary. Some of it was to learn things. I don't think that I would be at this place that I am in right now had I not done the Airstream dream. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, you you get to a place where you're like, well, I've got it all. Why do I still feel like this? Sure. That's the, that's a tough moment when you realize that, you know, if you're, if you're on a journey trying to find that happiness and you do get to that point where you're like, I have checked everything off the board. My dream journal is done. Like I am good to go. I've got everything that I ever wanted. What's going on? You know, like that's that impression that all of those things are going to make you happy, but there is still so much more at play. Yeah. And that's good news because we can control the internal stuff. We can't control the external stuff. We're in the middle of a pandemic right now as we're recording this. I'm not even going to say that I've got it more together than anybody right now because this is new for all of us, but I do feel really grounded right now. I'm not losing sleep. And I attribute that to the internal work. I attribute that to being able to find proof and evidence of of peace, of a better future coming. I remember times in the past where I truly believed that everything was falling apart, like the moment that my grandmother passed away. And I saw what came out of that. There's this really cool, again, Pema Chodron. She's an amazing Buddhist teacher, and she's got this book called Comfortable with Uncertainty. I don't think that this story is in there, but she tells a story about a kid who, you know, a long time ago, this kid, he's in this family, he goes and steals a horse and he brings the horse back. And everyone in the village is like, oh my God, you stole this horse, you brought this horse. What are we going to do with this horse? It's going to eat up all our stuff. I'm kind of taking this story on my own path. It's not word for word, but bear with me. So the mom's like, good, bad, I don't know, we'll see. So he rides the horse and breaks his arm. And everyone's like, oh, no, you broke your arm. This is terrible. And the mom's like, good, bad, I don't know. We'll see. So there's a war. And they come and they collect everyone that's of age to go to war. But the son can't go to war because he has a broken arm. So he's able to stay there with his family and help them. And the horse is used to go collect and gather things that are needed. So that story is so beautiful because we don't know. We try to predict when an event happens, whether it's going to be bad or good, so we can brace for impact, so we can protect ourselves. But we don't know, truly. And in the moment when my grandmother passed away, there wasn't an ounce of me that would have been like, this is all for the better, right? you know? But looking back on it, I can see value in, in that moment. I can see the bigger story that was at play that I couldn't see in the moment. And now I try to move through my life more open, less 
grippy, I guess, like less need to hold on to things and know what's going to happen and make sure that it's all good because I don't know. Yeah. I like that. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about your coaching too, not to shift gears too much, but you've mentioned it a couple of times. And I, I guess my impression in the, in the story of your life that I was reading on the internet is that coaching kind of came a little bit later, but it seems like it started earlier than I thought. So tell me how you transitioned into the idea of coaching other people. Well, I was in real estate when I hired a coach. I didn't know anything about coaching. I just knew that I needed help because I kept ending up in the same loop, the same cycle. And that might really resonate with some of you where you're like, I want to make a change, but I keep ending up back here no matter how many times. So I did a lot of work on my own and I was able to create a lot of results in my own life. But I came to a point, um, especially in my real estate career, where I was like, I need help here. Mm -hmm. I, I can't see what's wrong. So I need someone else to look inside my brain and say, hey, here's where the, the gaps need to be filled in. So I hired my coach and it was life-changing for me. That is where I was introduced to mindset work because I had, like I said before, done all the actions. I had changed all the outside things, but I didn't really understand my brain's role in that. So the coaching industry blew my mind. I was like, what? Like, I've been a coach my whole life. I am the one that my friends call when mm. they are stressed out. I was like, this can be a career. You can make money doing this. <laughs> Which, like, honestly, my mind was blown. So at that point, when I hired my coach and I found out, wow, this can be a real thing. I can help people change their lives without working in the capacity of a psychologist because it's very different. And I wasn't ready to go there. Sure. The psychology intrigues me and I love learning about the brain, but there was something about the coaching world, being able to be with someone in their, their circumstance and help them see what they couldn't see because they had the lens of all of their life experiences projecting onto whatever was happening in their world. So my coach had a different lens mm. and he could show me what I couldn't see. And that was such a cool thing to me. So I wanted to be a coach from the moment that I found out coaching was the thing. It took at least a full year and a half, I believe, before I actually was like, okay, I, I can do this. I, I don't need all of the credentials which is another mindset thing. I felt unworthy. I felt like I wasn't good enough to do it. So I made the leap. I started taking on some pro bono clients just to get my feet wet and know that I could create a result for somebody. That was really important to me. You know, there are a million coaches out there that'll say, don't you dare do your work for free, but I don't necessarily believe in rules. I think that you have to feel connected to an idea in order for it to work. And in the beginning, it felt good to me to just offer these services and be able to feel and see the results that people were getting. So I knew I wasn't crazy. I was like, I know that I'm going through these changes right now, but I want to really see that other people can do it and I can help facilitate that for me to decide to fully jump into this and, and make this my career. So I officially launched my business in September of 2018. Okay. 
So it's been almost two years now of doing that, which is pretty awesome. And I should think we have a mutual friend, someone that you worked with. I saw her post about you, Andrea Hanafi. I guess you helped her break through those walls to start her business that she's been working on. That, that was such a cool post to see the other day, because sometimes we don't really understand the impact sure. that we have. And, you know, working with Andrea and just like working with anybody else, it starts from the belief level. You cannot change your life if you fundamentally don't believe that it's possible. It's like the door is shut. It's all out there. But if the door shut, you can't let it in. So cultivating that belief, whether it's a little bit at a time, going from I'm not a coach to I'm a coach and I can help a bunch of people wasn't my immediate thought transformation. It was, I'm not a coach. I can't help anybody to maybe I could help someone to, well, other people are doing this. I hired a coach and that seemed to really help me. It's like little baby building blocks of belief to kind of bridge the gap between the current belief that we have and the belief that's going to fuel and move us to create the result that we want. I'm paraphrasing what you just said, uh, but if you can't help someone unless they are ready to be helped, how do you know as a coach when you're talking to someone if they're in that place? Because I would imagine as a coach, you also don't want to, quote unquote, waste your time with someone who's not going to be taking the advice that you're giving them and is not ready to make that change. So how do you know when you're talking to someone, hey, this person's ready to make this leap or we're going to make some real progress here versus I don't think this is going to work out? I don't convince people of anything. Most people that I choose to work with come to me in some capacity, which not everybody has the luxury of having clients show up at their door, but I've intentionally made it so that I don't have to have a full book of clients in order to sustain myself financially. And I think that that's a really interesting perspective of entrepreneurship. Some people, or myself, I don't even want to say some people, I, a year ago, would have thought having a part-time job meant that I wasn't real or that I wasn't doing it. But it gives me the flexibility to choose who I work with. So my perfect clients come to me ready. They're like, look, I see what you're doing and I need to change. Something's not working. I'm willing to do the work. And within a 30 second interaction, you can tell if someone is willing to change their perspective about something. If they tell you a situation and then you're able to say, well, have you thought about it this way? And you get a response that's, yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, that's not really me. Or the channel's closed a little bit still. And as much as I want to reach down and grab people and bring them up and say, no, look, the light's up here. You can't. And it's because they need to go through whatever else it is they need to go through in order to get to the point where they're willing to make a change. Had a coach approached me before my grandmother had passed away, even though I knew that I wasn't happy, I knew that I wasn't living the life that I wanted to live. The pain hadn't gotten bad enough for me to be ready, for me to be 100% committed to making a change. And that might not sound too optimistic, like, well, it's really got to hurt before it gets better. But from what I've seen is that 
we do have to get to a place where we're really uncomfortable and we're really tired of living the way that we want to live to do mindset work because mindset work isn't action. Action comes from mindset work when we're in a different place, but it's really easy as a human to want to change all the outside things all the time. It's not easy to sit down and journal and be with your thoughts for hours on hours. It's not fun work. It's like going to the gym. I I mean, you might love going and running on a treadmill, but I don't, but I love the way that I feel afterwards. So if someone's coming to me because they want to have these like calls where we feel all light and bubbly and warm and fuzzy and everything's all good, it's not the right fit. I need someone who is at their wits end and ready to think differently, which is asking a lot because our thinking is something that we have been programming into our brains from the beginning of humanity. We have these things in our cells, fight or flight, the protective mechanisms, On top of that, we have the things that we've learned from our family and the media, and it all feels so true. We create these thoughts and beliefs that we have so much proof of. So in order to do this work, you have to be willing to question everything that you currently believe. It's not easy for me to find those people. Luckily, I guess the messages that I'm putting out help attract that. But if someone's not ready, I can't make them ready. Yeah. I want to go back to your trip now. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm jumping all over the place because my head is moving in a lot of different directions, but I think a lot of this will tie together in the end. Uh, So when you packed up the Airstream and you left Baltimore and you just went on this trip, did you have an end point planned or did you guys just go and say, well, we'll figure it out? That was exactly what we said. We had no, we didn't know how long we were going to be on the road. We didn't even know where we were going to go. We hadn't planned past a couple stops ahead of us. and really just figured it out on the way. And I don't want to say that we were doing it haphazardly because I think it's important to mention that every decision that we made came from a place of intuition. It came from a conversation. For example, we were at this really awful RV park. I mean, I'm not going to get into the details, but it was one of the worst experiences that I've had. So I'm here, you know, on trip of a lifetime, crying in my trailer. And this guy who's staying next to us is like, wow, this place really blows. You should go check out Lake Havasu. And we're like, okay. So we just went. And I think when you have that type of flexibility, and granted, it was easier to do when we are, you know, in a trailer traveling the country with our savings account. And we didn't necessarily need to have a plan, but we very easily could have put a plan in place that we stuck to and we were rigid with, but we chose not to. I've continued that thought process Mm. out of the RV. Not a big goal setter anymore because I have seen what can happen when I'm open. I've seen what can happen when I'm not clinging to making things look the way that I want them to look. When you say you're not a big goal setter anymore, I want you to explain that a little bit more because I, I do feel like we're constantly told that having something to reach for, something that you want to get to is a good thing. So if you're saying you're not really a big goal setter anymore, what is it that you're reaching for? What What is it that gets you moving through the day and keeping you moving forward? So I guess I should be a little more clear because it's not that I wake up every day and I'm like, we'll see, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but... I am less attached to the goal. So it's not that I don't have aspirations. I would love to write 
a book of my own one day. And I would love for it to be a New York Times bestseller. But I'm not in control over whether it becomes popular or anyone reads it. I'm only in control over if I write it or not. I guess I shouldn't say that I'm not a goal setter anymore, even though that feels really like rebellious and awesome. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I set goals that I am the only one that I am in charge of them. And I don't attach to them in a way that I used to. Because if you set a goal and you do everything that you can, which is an important part to it. I have a little bit of a formula. First, we have to believe that something is possible. So let's say I want to write a book. I have to believe that it's possible. Step two, I have to take intentional action toward the goal in some way. The book's not going to get written if I don't write. So I at least have to sit at my laptop or pick up my pen and, and make progress toward it. And then there's this piece we don't like, and it's called surrender. It is the element of stillness and saying, I have done all that I can do, all that I am willing to do that's within my values, and what happens next is out of my hands. And then there's faith. And I don't necessarily mean faith in the divine, but faith that no matter what happens next, it's for my highest good. I like that formula. That's a good formula. I'm going to have to make sure I remember that one. I'm going to save that as a separate clip uh, from this interview that we have. So getting back into the trip, I have three questions to kind of get us more into this current state that we're in now, I believe. Uh, One, how long were you on the road? Two, when did you wrap it up? And three, how did you decide on your ending point? Beautiful. We made it three months in our life, um, which felt like three years. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Completely honest. It was me, my fiance and our three dogs. And that three month journey genuinely felt like a, a lifetime in the best and worst way possible. <laughs> you know, second question. No, the third question was how did we end up in Austin? What was yes. the second question? Second question was, uh, when did this all wrap up? So I guess basically how long have you been in Austin now at this point? So we got here May of last year. And we chose Austin. The reason that we stopped the trip, which I think is important to mention, is A, we budgeted very poorly. (laughs) Um, So no, if you're going to uproot your whole life and move across the country, my thought process was that I was going to be able to jumpstart my career from this place. In hindsight, That journey was a place where I needed to go inward. It was not a place where I needed to build and create and share. I had to go on that journey. So we weren't budgeting for neither of us working the whole time, which is what ended up happening. So we ended up, you know, we thought we were going to have this huge lifestyle change and we'd both be working on the road, but it really truly became just this trip where we could just focus on travel and the experience and being with that without having to worry about how we were going to keep ourselves So we decided it's time to settle down. It's time to plant our roots. We've learned more about ourselves and each other in these three months than we had planned to. So let's put this into action in our lives. So Austin, an intuitive decision. There are 50 states for us to choose from. And to be quite honest, we could have lived anywhere. We could have said Italy. Sure, that's where we want to go next because we had sold all of our stuff. We had both left our careers. So we really had the opportunity to pick anywhere that we wanted to go. And 
One thing that I love about us and the way that we make decisions is we do it from a place of intuition and inspiration and try not to get too caught up on what it's going to mean for us and how it's going to look 10 years from now. And if we take this action today, then what is that going to mean for us then? We were like, we love food. We love music. Not a big fan of cold weather. (laughs) And my fiance wanted to open a food truck. So we got here and we kind of like put food truck dreams into motion for a little bit. And then he started taking an online tech class because he was like, oh, it would also be really cool to like get into the tech industry. And all of this is important information because you'll see how actions that you take out of inspiration lead you to a place that you want to go far more than logical planning and calculating how to get there. So the example of that is we ended up in Austin because food and food truck. He ended up taking this tech course because once we got here, we were like, wow, there's a lot of tech here. This could be great. So we thought he was going to be a programmer and then ends up getting this really amazing opportunity to work in sales for a tech company with like, when I say the most amazing team and boss and it couldn't be a better place for him to be in. And that him getting there didn't come from us sitting down and saying, okay, so when we get to Austin, we're going to end up at this really great tech company. Like none of that was in the plan, but we took leaps. We jumped. He invested the money in this course all without necessarily having concrete evidence that it was going to lead anywhere. It was, well, I'd rather try it than not. And we'll see where we end up. So We came here because of a food truck, but what we found here is I know that this was divine. I know that we were supposed to be here. I found this beautiful yoga and meditation studio, and I don't know if you've been following along, but I've been leading meditations, Mm -hmm. and we were on the road, and I had decided that I wanted to take a meditation teacher class, but I couldn't find one that I was really excited about. Um, I had applied to a couple and nothing was really sticking out to me. So we're in Austin. I know nobody. I was like, I need to get myself out of the house. I got to find a yoga studio. So I am searching for a yoga studio. So I found this one with a cool name. I was like, I'm going to go check it out. I could not find the studio. I (laughs) tried three times. I'm not even kidding you to locate the studio. And finally I was like, okay, this is clearly not for me. So I go to my mind body app and I see Suka Yoga. And I didn't pick this place originally because I couldn't pronounce the name and that made me nervous. <laughs> I like how many times do we not do stuff because it makes us feel just a little bit sure. uncomfortable, even though everything in us, like you want to try this new restaurant, but you're like, oh, I've never been there before. I don't know how the ordering is gonna work. So I'm just not gonna go. I'm gonna stick to Chipotle because I'm familiar with that. We miss out on so much because we don't want to enter into that land of uncomfortability, but that feeling is there for a reason. You wouldn't feel this like uncomfortable draw if there wasn't a divine purpose for you being there. So I was like, screw it. Going to go to the Sukha Yoga, Sukha Yoga, whatever. How do you, I don't know how to say it. So I get there and I'm home, genuinely and truly at home. I was like, I haven't felt at home in a while, not even back in Baltimore in our home that we bought, but I know I'm supposed to be in this place. There, I learned even more about being with myself Mm. and my thoughts and ended up 
taking their meditation teacher training, which I'm a part of right now. And their logo says, be here now, which is beautiful and is really genuinely my goal. If I had to set a goal, it would be to be here now. And I went home to visit friends a few months after I moved here and I was having lunch with my dear friend, Katie, in the middle of me talking, she takes the bracelet off of her hand and hands it to me and said, someone gave this to me, but I feel like I'm supposed to give it to you right now. Goosebumps as I'm saying this. And it said, be here now. Wow. And I was like, wow. Okay. Thank you for that sign, for that confirmation that I am where I'm supposed to be. And Look at the wild journey of surrender and trust and faith and jumping that got me here now. That's amazing. Um, All right. Before I get into the next question here, uh, I do want to say there is a musician that I cannot pronounce their name. And I want to tell everybody about this person because I love them so much, but I have no idea how to pronounce it. So going on what you were saying about the yoga studio, I, I, I can only spell it. I believe it's spelled M-X-M-T-O-O-N or something. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know where to begin what this might sound like. So I can't even tell people how much I like this person because I have absolutely no idea how to describe how to pronounce their name. How very human of you. I know, right? Look at, look at me. I'm right there with them. Um, so you, when you got to Austin, you found this place, is this, and you took the, uh, the meditation, uh, class, is this kind of what inspired you to, to start the retreat company that you have now too? I don't know if company is the right word, but the retreats that you do. So I started, um, and I would use the word company because I, I do believe this is going to be bigger than I had ever imagined. Mm little weird right now because we're in the middle of a well, pandemic. Well, sure, yeah. not exactly go anywhere, but <laughs> I know in the depths of my soul that this is where I need to be. But it was actually our trip that inspired that. I planned the first Empowered Retreat while we were on the road. And I think it was after I had seen White Sands, New Mexico. Have you ever been? I have not, unfortunately. It is a place on my list, but it's not a place I've been to. It's really mind-blowing, and the trip, among many other lessons that I've learned, really opened my eyes to possibility, and this goes back to the belief thing. Yeah, I saw so many things that I didn't think were possible that my belief ceiling got shattered. Mm. Like, how can a place be this beautiful kind of emotions? So... I was like, I got to create this for other people and I need to make it easy and accessible because not everyone has the ability to pack up their whole life and go on this trip and have this experience. Sedona is actually where I met this adorable couple who had just retired and bought an Airstream and decided to travel the country, which led to my bright idea of doing the same thing. So that place meant something to me. So when it came to choosing a location, nothing else was even on the radar. Sedona just popped into my head. And I went on Airbnb and I saw this place and it was like $3,000 deposit to lock this in. So without any idea of how I was going to make this happen, I got my credit card and said, okay, here we go. And the pictures were foggy. I'm not even kidding you. If like any logical business person would be like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> Something inside I'm of me. I'm saying was, that right now. And I'm not even a business person. <laughs> Something inside of me was like, this is it. Like 
when I was looking at the Airbnb listing, the pictures were taken with the camera phone. You really couldn't tell what the place looked like, but I felt a connection to it. And I was like, God, this is crazy. I felt like I was going to throw up immediately after I did it. I was like, it's insane. I have no idea how I'm going to do this. And then I committed to having the experience regardless of what it looks like. And what I mean by that is I didn't commit to having a completely sold out retreat, which happened by the way, on my first, our first Congratulations. retreat. Thank you. That wasn't my goal. My goal was no matter what, I'm going to make the best out of this. Mm. If no one shows up, I'm taking all my friends and family on vacation <laughs> and we're going to have a time, which is kind of what I mean by the detaching. Of course, best case scenario is this retreat happens and it ends up being, you know, widely successful and people have a transformational time. But I was willing to take the risk knowing that I didn't really know what the outcome was going to be. And I was going to do everything in my power to make it happen and have appreciation for whatever I learned throughout the process, no matter what the end result was. And that's kind of what started uh, Empowered Retreats. And how many retreats have you done so far? Well, I have only physically hosted one okay. and I have two other retreats that are sold out that had to be postponed. Sure. Fingers crossed that either later this year or next year, we'll be able to start actually meeting again in person. Um, my hope is to host at least for a year. Right now, Sedona's calling to me, but maybe one day we'll go somewhere else. Um, I also am now toying with the idea of solo retreats. So I had this experience with my fiance, which is great because, you know, him and I are as, as one right now. But there was a lot of like soul searching that I needed to do on my own, which necessarily isn't necessarily always conducive to like a huge group environment. So I want to make these experiences accessible to people at whatever stage of life they are. So if you if you need the community, if that's why you're coming to something like this, then of course, Empowered Retreat. But I also want to incorporate in some solo experiences where obviously I'm going to be there, but I won't be staying in the place. It's like you get your own Airbnb. I come in, I do teaching, I provide this wonderful chef that I, Chef Rin, she's from Baltimore. Look her up if you don't know anything about her, but she's a godsend. But it's expanding right now. And luckily I have the time to think about this. Sure. Being in quarantine at the moment. So in alignment with my element of surrender and faith, I'm going to keep moving in the direction that feels good, which is hosting these retreats. And where we end up from there, whether it's this huge thing where hundreds of people come or they stay intimate, I have no idea. But I do know creating this sacred space where people can come and it's almost like plucking you outside of your current reality and dropping you into a place where there are no expectations, no, uh, you know, quote unquote rules. You have the space to think outside of what's currently in front of you, which is hard to do when you're submerged in your life all the time. It's hard to see and think about other possibilities when you've got your current reality smacking you in the face every single day. So stepping outside of that, which is what the Airstream trip did for me, this is obviously a smaller version of that. It happens over a weekend, but it's a way for me to provide this transformative eye-opening experience to those who are looking for that. 
That sounds awesome. I can't wait to see how that continues to develop for you um, as you continue your journey. I can't wait to keep following along with that. Uh, but something else that just happened to you is this book that came out, Women Who Rise. And you're a part of this book, and it, and it really is sort of the catalyst that made me think, I need to really talk to this woman. Like, I need to learn more about her story and have this conversation. So I'm so glad that I reached out to you, and I'm so glad that you were gracious enough to give us some of your time uh, to talk about that. But tell me more about this book, Women Who Rise, and how you got to be a part of this. So another, I swear when I like say these things out loud, I'm like, people are going to think I'm crazy, but You're I'm the okay worst. You that. sound awful. <laughs> I'm okay with people thinking I'm crazy because if I stay quiet, people aren't going to believe in miracles. People aren't going to think that things are a reality for them outside of what they can currently conceptualize. So I'm going to say some off the wall stuff because it's the truth for me. I've always loved to write. Since I was little, I kept this like poem journal. And being a writer, a published author has been a dream of mine for as long as I can remember. But there was a belief somewhere in here that it was gonna be really hard and it was gonna require me to be someone that I'm not right now. You know, I don't have enough information. I don't have enough to say. All of the stories that we create to keep ourselves safe, we're just playing on repeat. I got a few pings over the course of the past few years from the universe in the form of friends saying, you should really write a book. Or when I post my blog, they're like, wow, I can't wait to read more than this. And I was like, whatever, okay, <laughs> one day. <laughs> So then I got a real kick in the behind but from one of my friends. She made a gift for me. She got a journal and she engraved it with Amanda Jones, which will be my, my new last name soon, number one bestselling author. And she wrote the title of my future book on it and on the back printed my picture out and put reviews from some of my favorite authors. And I was like, Okay. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I hear you. I hear you. I receive this message and I am no longer going to live in that place of maybe someday I decided in that moment, I will write and I will publish this year, period. I did not spend a whole lot of time thinking how it was going to happen. I just said, with that book in my hand, Gayla, I promise you I'm going to write a book. And I wasn't promising her for her. It was for me. I felt the obligation to verbalize it. So a month later, I was tagged in the status of this woman, Kate Butler, who is a best-selling author of children's books, but she's also a publisher. And it said, you know, we're looking for our final author for Women Who Rise. Do you know anyone? So I get tagged and I send Kate a message and have a conversation with her. And I don't want to say that it was effortless, but it was so aligned. I didn't need to convince anyone of anything. We weren't, it wasn't hard. It was like the moment that I decided it opened that door. It was like, well, here you go. Here's an opportunity that's going to fall right into your lap. And I was the one that had the door closed. It wasn't that that opportunity wasn't out there. This is Kate's like I don't know, probably fifth or sixth book in the series. So she's done this before, but I became available for the opportunity once I decided that I was available for the opportunity. Yeah. So from that moment that I spoke to Kate, it was a six month journey from there for all of us to write our stories and do the marketing and publish. And, and now here we are 30 number one 
best-selling authors because we all made the decision at some point that it was a non-negotiable. We were going to become writers. So you wrote as a part of Women Who Rise, but do you have your own efforts in the works right now? Yes. What that not is to say that to Women Who Rise is not your own effort, but I mean, you know, like your own project that's just solo you and not with a group of other people. Absolutely. I don't know what it's going to look like. And I think trying to figure that out kept me paralyzed for a really long time. I'm like, what is my, oh, what is this book going to be about? Now I'm taking a little bit of a different approach. Every time I have an inspired thought, I write it down in a Google Drive called Future Book. So I've got this Google Drive filled with thoughts that I just pour onto the page and letting go of needing to publish a book in the sense that I've got to figure out what this is going to be about and come up with a really great title and and know exactly where this is going before I start. That kept me captive. When I let go of that and said, similarly to everything else, we'll see. (laughs) I'm just going to start writing and come from a place of inspiration. I know my book is in there somewhere. What I hope that it's about is this really attainable idea that we can change our experience of our life without necessarily uprooting and changing everything Mm. in the way that I did. And I believe that I went through that. I got to have everything that I thought would make me happy so that I could learn that it's not in there. It's, it's in here. It's in our, our own minds and bodies. And again, I don't know exactly where this book is going to go, but I'm hoping that I can articulate in some way that you don't have to make a million dollars. You don't have to spend your life savings. You don't even have to find a partner to feel loved and abundant and happy and full and all of the things that you want to feel. How I'm going to get that into a book, we'll see. But that's what I'm putting out into the universe right now. It's amazing to me that this journey that you're on right now really has only been going on for about five years. Like everything that we just talked about, that's a lifetime. My mind is having a hard time comprehending how all of this stuff has happened to you in a five-year span. And it's so, it's incredible. Like that's not a bad, that's a fantastic thing. Like you've really, you've found something that you're passionate for and you have found that inner happiness that uh, I think, you know, we're all kind of searching for, you know, and I think you've found a way to grab onto that and move forward. I think it's, it's fascinating. It's really incredible. You know, I, I want to offer this tangible tool to your Please. listeners Write down a list of all the things that you want in life, whether you have them or you don't. And then write down a list of all of the things that happen when you're having your best day, your happiest day. And hold those two side by side. You'll see how attainable it is to create and cultivate the life that you want from typically things that are at your fingertips. I feel the best I feel when I drink a lot of water. Mm. When I eat something wholesome in the morning, you know, granted, I ate an entire Domino's pizza last night. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> and that also feel good. But, you know, you'd be surprised at how much we already have that we're looking for. And the reason that this happens, the reason that our brain doesn't register all of the good is because it's not necessarily useful for survival. Our brain registers all of the bad because it wants to keep us safe. 
we have to consciously make an effort to look at and find proof and evidence in our life of all the ways that we are happy now. Mm. Spending quality time with my fiance is one of my favorite things to do. And I don't have to change anything in my life to make that a priority right now. That's awesome. I love that. I've, there's so much in this interview that when I go back to listen to it again and get it ready to post for the podcast, uh, there's so much that I have to make sure that I write down and save because there's so many wonderful nuggets that you dropped on us in here. Uh, something else before we kind of wrap things up that I want to ask you when you when you started this journey five years ago and you said you started reading uh, a lot more things, you know, personal growth or self help books. I feel like that is a swamp that people can get really stuck in. You know, if they're looking to break out and they're saying, I need to, I need to hear some words from other people. There's so much out there. Can you give us a couple of things or a couple of books that really helped you in your, in the start of your journey? Absolutely. So the universe has your back by Gabrielle Bernstein was the first book that changed the course of my life. I was at a place where I felt like everything was happening to me and everything was happening against me. And this book opened my eyes to a new perspective that maybe there's a possibility that all of the things that were going on in my life were, were happening to guide me and teach me. So that was, I would say, one of the, the biggest catalysts. Anything by Brene Brown, mm. mainly because she is so real and she does not pretend to have it all together, which I think is a really, 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 really important part of self-development. It can be addicting like anything else. You can get on the self-development bandwagon and you want to constantly improve and constantly be better. And it's really hard to find self-love and self-worth from a place where you feel like it's outside of you, mm. where you feel like you're inadequate and you need to go find it. Brene Brown is such an amazing example of an imperfect human being that is enjoying the experience of her life with all of her imperfections and all of the things that make her quirky and crazy and weird. So her book, Gift of Imperfection, or Gifts of Imperfection, um, is also a really, really amazing one. And there was, I'll give you one more, okay. a book that I read recently. Um, it's pretty new. It's called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I just heard about this and it's on my list. I got to check this out. So your recommendation now, this is the universe telling me that I really need to read this book. It's mind blowing for a couple of reasons. I love the way that she writes because I've never seen anyone write like this before, which in conjunction with her message in the book, she really does things her own way. She really sheds the idea of the shoulds that keep us in this idea of the life that we're supposed to have and teaches us to listen to your intuition and the, the drive that you have that's, that's inside of you that led me to all of these places. So highly, highly recommend Untamed. Perfect. Well, thank you for all those recommendations and thank you for giving me over an hour of your time. This is by far the longest interview uh, that I've ever done in my life. So uh, this is pretty fantastic. Like I said before, there's just so much in here that has been inspirational and amazing. And one of the biggest reasons I started this podcast is I want to hear other people's stories because I think when people are looking for what's going to maybe help them break out of that rut that they're in. There's no, there are no two paths that are the same. So I love getting stories from everybody that I can of how they 
found what makes them happy, how they found that inner happiness or how they were able to find their motivation to take the next step because everybody's story is a little bit different and everybody coming in to listen is coming from a different place. So I love how much you've been able to give about your story here today and how open you've been because uh, I, I truly believe that someone listening now is going to have some inspiration uh, in their own life and I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I, I told you, you're probably going to have to shut me up at some point. <laughs> <laughs> well, here is that moment. I, I love sharing. And it's because my life changed from listening to the stories of other people who have paved the way. So I'm happy to be here. Such an honor. Before I do shut you up officially, uh, <laughs> tell people where they can find you. Where Where's the best place to reach you, find your journey? Where can they hang out with you a little bit? Of course. So my website, theseasonofbecoming.com, but my favorite place to connect is on Instagram. You can look me up at the season of becoming. Um, I want to talk to you. I want to get to know the people that are listening to this right now. So please don't hesitate to send me a message. And I meant to ask you this earlier. I don't know if this is going to derail us totally, but the season of becoming, where did that come from? There's a quote. Genuinely, I cannot remember who said it, <laughs> but the quote is, there's a season of becoming no, I'm sorry. I totally butchered it. There's a season for wildness and a season for settledness. And this is neither. This is the season of becoming. So it just felt so right when I was looking for something that truly could capture the journey that I was embarking on. Well, it seems to be working great for you right now. Amanda Autry, thank you so much. I really, that seems to be understated. I can't thank you enough for taking this time. This has been a fantastic interview. I'm so glad to finally have met you, uh, quote unquote, in person uh, via video chat. It's so great to actually talk to you. I just, I wish you the best. Thank you so much for having me. Another huge thank you to Amanda Autry for giving me over an hour of her time for this interview. You know, it's funny, the interview was an hour long, but it didn't feel like that. When we were just getting towards the end of our conversation, I remember looking at the clock and being surprised at how fast the time had gone by. If you wanna get in touch with Amanda, I did put her information in the show notes for the podcast, so you can check that out. And thank you again for listening and for helping to spread the word about Be More Well. Please don't forget to rate the podcast and leave a comment if you wish. Also follow us on social media, at Be More Well Podcast on Instagram and at Be More Well on Twitter. 